Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning. Oh, that wasn't good enough. Good morning. There we go. And good morning to everyone worshiping online with us. God has a word for us today. God always has a word for us, but I can tell you that the Lord has penetrated my heart for what I believe we need to hear this day, at this moment, this very hour. I love the last song when we were singing, The Blessing, and we began to emphasize over and over again, He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Church, it's true. It's the Word of God. God's for you, and He's not against you. In fact, Scripture says if God is for us, who can be against us? So what are you facing? What have you been struggling with? An issue or someone that's just, it seems that they have it in for you. Maybe at work. Maybe in your community. Sometimes you'll find, and I think everyone has experienced this, life isn't fair. But when God is with us, and when we choose to believe what He is speaking what He has spoken, what He is speaking, and what He will always be speaking over our lives. Then it will change our whole perspective so that we can step into the future, step into the blessing, the provisions, the strength, the joy, the peace. How many of you enjoy having peace? At night when everything is said and done, you sit and relax or you lay your head on the pillow to have peace. To not be tormented by fear, not be tormented by lack. How am I going to meet this need, that need, pay this bill, that bill? To have peace and confidence and know that God is for me, that God desires to provide for me. To have that overwhelming confidence means everything in life. There was a husband and wife, a father and a mother with two children. And they had a tragic loss. A fire had come and just devastated their home. It was burned nearly to the ground. A few days later, the insurance agent came and met with the family, actually at the site of the remaining home, looking at the charred figure of just a few pieces of lumber and masonry there. And seeing the disappointment and the heartbreak on the face of that family. All of their years spent there, all of the memories that were established there. And then when they took and they looked, the insurance agent had just the right thing to say. He turned to them and he spoke these words. Don't worry, we're going to make everything like new again. And 12 months later, he kept his word. The restoration, the rebuilding was complete, and they moved in at the same location to a brand new home, better than prior. Everything was new again. And do you know spiritually God is speaking those words to us if we'll listen? He says, behold, I make all things new. In fact, let's look at that portion of Scripture in Revelation 21 verse 5. Here you have John the Apostle on the Patmos, this great revelation. 
And this portion when God speaks is at the end of the book. The tribulation had come to an end. The world had been devastated by all that the Antichrist and the nations under his thumb had done. Now Satan, thrown into the bottomless pit, the millennium ready to take place. And seeing the earth in the current condition, beyond repair from the perspective of many, Jesus on his throne says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now, when you look at the earth, which will be in that condition one day, that gives us hope to know that God always honors his word. And what he says, he fulfills. But do you know, even for our own lives, what devastation have you experienced? The brokenness, the pain you may carry. The memories of abandonment, mistreatment, abuse. Maybe you've made some unwise decisions and it's left you living with the consequences and the rippling effect, not only in your life, but your life impacting and flowing into the lives of others who were in relationship with you. And you look at everything and you say to yourself, will this ever end? And can this be repaired? I'm here to tell you, and it's the title of my message, that Jesus makes all things new. Everybody say it, all things new. All things new. Say it one more time with confidence. All things new. He makes all things new. In fact, I like to say it this way. God always builds back better. Now, there have been people who have taken that phrase, that idiom, and used it for their own gain, but they're just copycats. Jesus said it first. He builds back better. All things new. So that means don't focus on what you've lost today. Those of you worshiping, watching online, don't focus on your current situation. Don't look at what was and now what is. Not that I'm telling you to be euphoric. But I am saying when we release that measure of faith, we can't allow our past to define us, but rather allow it to refine us. That's important. We can learn from our past, and as the Lord directs our steps, and we listen, and we listen, God will use our past, just like Paul says, all things, Romans 8, 28. Everybody say, all things. I mean, that covers it all, amen? All things work together for good to those who love God. Show of hands. How many of you love God? Put your hand in the air. I love Him too. All right. I didn't see any of you online doing that. I'm sure you did. I can't see you, but you can see me. All things do indeed work together for good. And that's easy to believe when we've made the right decision. But what about the pain? What about the hurt? What about the failures? What about the loss? How could that ever work for good? Well, the first thing you need to understand is the word good in the Koine Greek is also defined as to reflect the likeness of. Let me say it again. Good in the Greek is defined as to reflect the likeness of. So when God at creation said, let there be light, and there was light, and God called the light day, 
And the night, night, he said, he looked at the light and said it was good. God is light, in him there's no darkness at all. Isn't that what John the Apostle said? 1 John chapter 4. So that means when God saw light, he saw a reflection of himself. Light is not God, but God is light. It's another one of his attributes, as he's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. He's light. So when God saw light, he saw himself. And when God says in Romans 8.28, through the Apostle Paul, all things work together for good, God is going to use every circumstance and situation in our lives to build his likeness in us so people can see him working through us. Somehow, some way, God always will bring his likeness in good if we trust him. When Joseph had been sold into slavery, after 13 years, finally when he became the prince over Egypt, the famine had hit the land, and his brothers, the sons of Jacob, Israel, had come to find provision because there was grain in the storehouses of Egypt. Joseph recognized his brothers. And finally when his brothers realized that the second most powerful man in the world, that they were petitioning for food, provision, was the brother that they wanted to murder and they sold into slavery. They feared for their lives. When Joseph then knew their hearts, saw their fear, and they even, the brothers of Joseph, voiced that they feared for their lives. Joseph responded this way. He says, don't worry for that which was intended for evil. God has used for good. He is bringing his likeness, who he is. He's provider. He's healer. He's everything we need in life. He is I am. And so when we look at what the Lord desires to do, he says, he makes all things new. He will bring his likeness and position us to receive from him if we choose to learn from him and do what he says. I love what Ann Byler said, the founder of Annie Ann's Pretzels. How many have ever had an Annie Ann's Pretzel? It's my nemesis. You smell them in the mall, it draws you in that direction. But she's a woman that went through tremendous abuse had a hard life. I encourage you to research what she went through. And she knew and knows and loved and loves Jesus Christ. And God was faithful to her. But when she finally found herself on the other side, when she was speaking in a large venue, she made this quote, Life is hard, but God is good. Try not to confuse the two. See, a lot of times people will say, well, God is hard. And they, and they confuse that the evil things, the unjust things that happen in life, they're not from God. The Apostle James says every good and perfect gift, James 1.17, comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variation or shadow of changing. God doesn't change. Everything good comes from His hand. Everything. The likeness of God. God wants us to see Him. Not only in the creation we live in, but in the things that he does on our behalf. All things, not some, all. You see, I found the right perspective. You know what it does? 
It will lead you through my first point, the pain. How many of you have ever had pain in life? I know I have. You can't escape it. Just living life. There's ups and downs. When you fall, even when a child learns to walk, they fall. They hit their knees. They scrape their hands. It evokes pain. It's part of the nerve system that helps in the end to protect us so that we learn because we remember the pain and we choose not to experience that again. I have found in order to face the future, you first must face the past. We all have a past. Some of the memories we have in the past are wonderful. The other night, my, grand, my uh, daughter and son-in-law and, and their three children, the grandchildren were over, and we were just fellowshipping, having a good time. And so my one grandson, the oldest grandson, he was asking me some things. So I began to share some of my past memories, things about his mom growing up. He just loved it, reminiscing about the good things. There, there are good memories in the past, but there's also things in our past if it's abandonment, if it's abuse, if it's bad choices that brought severe consequence, changing your reputation, how people look at you, what they think of you. Maybe for some who've made bad decisions, it, it, it winds up with an incarceration for a period of time. Or maybe a relationship that you wound up hurting someone or because you went in a direction you wound up being hurt personally by that relationship. There are many things in our past that can also evoke pain, bad memories. And when I look at that, if we're going to move past our pain and really experience God making all things new in our lives, then we need to move beyond our pain. And that's where Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18, the Spirit of God says through the prophet, do not remember the former things nor consider these, consider the things of old. No, not remembering. In other words, God is saying to put those things behind you. Don't live in the past. You need to move beyond. Don't allow it to become your taskmaster. Don't allow it to become your prison. Where all that you focus, you constantly go back to the pain, to the issues, to the failure, the shame, the embarrassment. Don't remain at that place, point in time. The Spirit of the Lord is saying, do not remember the former things. That's in the form of a command. Don't do it. And don't even consider the old things. I looked at that word remember in the Hebrew, and it's also defined as don't recall, don't think back on, don't keep a record of. Isn't it interesting how at times when there's pain associated with our life, with decisions, and with experiences we've encountered, sometimes we can almost keep like a mental list and just rattle through all of the things. We have a record of it. Paul, isn't it amazing in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, when he said love keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't remember it. Same thing here. Spirit of God is saying if, we, if all things are going to become new in our lives, how many of you need God to make some things new? How many of you need those times of refreshing, blessing, restoration? Maybe with relationships, whatever it is. If you're going to see all things made new, then you've got to choose not to recall, think back on, or keep a record of. And then the Spirit of God defines it. He calls them the former things. Your beginnings, your past, or how you started. We've all got things of how we started. And then the Spirit of the Lord continues by saying, 
Nor consider the things of old. To consider means to regard, give heed to, or be attentive towards. It's almost like, have you ever been in a conversation and you're showing the respect to the person you're speaking with in the conversation? And then there are people that may come up and try to interrupt. Obviously, if it's not an emergency, we would consider that an act of rudeness on the one that just comes right in and disrupts the conversation. And so what do you do? You try to maintain your focus, your attention, towards the individual you're speaking to. They go, you got a minute? Hey, just, just say it. Hey, you, you just keep speaking. You just keep speaking. Think of the interruption of how the enemy tries to bring up our failures, our past, our shame, our pan, pain, those bad decisions. And when the devil tries to disrupt our focus, our thought processes, tries to steep and heap all of that embarrassment on us, all of that pain on us, give him no attention. In the dental community, they have a slogan that says, ignore your teeth and you'll lose them. Right? Ignore your teeth and they'll go away. Well, the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. How do we resist him? By refusing to be attentive to what he says. Give him no attention. So simply put, God is saying in this portion of Scripture, stop keeping a record of your mistakes and of your failures. Deny these things your attention. Let go of it. Say, God, strengthen me. Help me to move beyond it. Fear can be a nemesis. When we've walked deep roads, some of you, maybe you've struggled through very serious health conditions, possibly a cancer or something else. Then the doctors have provided all the treatment and they say it's good. You're cancer free. But if we choose to, the devil will come every day because he knows how serious that condition was and he'll try to tell you every time there's an ache, there's a pain, whatever it is, it's back. So that fear will begin to dominate rather than faith. Give no attention. It's like in the Wizard of Oz. Remember when they were finally finding out who the Wizard of Oz was in the movie and the dog Toto pulled the curtain aside and they could see one standing there then all of a sudden the man behind the curtain says, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. God is saying, give no attention to the one behind the curtain, the devil, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Because you see, if whatever we focus on, we empower do you hear me? And if we focus on our fears, if we focus on our failures, our mistakes, if we focus on the lies, if we focus on the bad decisions, then it'll just keep happening over and over again. Why? Because we're empowering it. But if we focus on the Lord, come on now. If we focus on who He is, what He has promised, He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. As we sang in the blessing, when we focus on, if God is for us, listen, He's not going to let me fail. He will teach me His ways. He'll show me how to work, walk in them. He will reveal His truth to me. And that He will empower our steps of obedience. Man, when we experience God on that level, everything changes. All things new. All things new. Remembering not. Putting it behind you. Some of you say, Pastor, how do I do this? This just seems impossible. I love the Lord. I do, and I believe you. But listen, what I'm sharing is what I've walked as well. My life 
has had times of opposition, challenges to my faith. And you know, having faith is not enough. There's a lot of people who say, hey, I have faith. Or they'll tell you, keep the faith. Sometimes people have faith in faith, and that goes nowhere. What is your faith attached to? Or who is your faith attached to? That's where the power comes in. Think of it this way. Faith is like an extension cord, an electrical extension cord. Now, on one end, you plug into a source. On the other end, you can plug into that, right? So when we plug our faith, which is a conduit, it's an electrical extension core, spiritually speaking. When we tap into God, it's not just faith and faith. That produces nothing. That's just good intentions or a positive outlook or attitude. But when we plug into God, when we plug into the God of all faith, then that faith literally energizes us. And that's how all things become possible. That's how the things that we can't do in and of our own selves, God empowers us because our extension cord is plugged into him, the God of all faith, and then that which was impossible for us, all of a sudden he gives us everything we need to get it done and to walk the road of obedience, to walk the road of faith, and we experience a whole new level of power and authority and strength. Everything changes our perspective, our outlook. Why? Because we're connected to him. Look at what the Spirit of God says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 54, verse 4. God says, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth. And will not, what? Remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. God wants to remove when the reference to youth that is an inference the past. And God wants to remove the shame, the pain from your past. He wants to rebuild and restore you like that family that lost the house. They stood before the ruins and the insurance agent said, we're going to make everything like new. God wants to make all things new for you. Body, soul, and spirit. Praise the Lord. But until you let go of your past, your past will never let go of you. You'll never get beyond it. Pastor, how do I let go of the past? How do I do this? Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Powerful word. He says, brethren, he's speaking to Christians now. Not non-Christians, but those that know the Lord and love the Lord. But they've had some issues. They're wrestling with their past. And Paul says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I've not arrived yet. I'm a work in progress just like you. But one thing I do, he says, the one focus I have, this is important. If he, if he emphasizes one thing, listen to what it is. Forgetting those things which are behind, dealing with the past, and reaching forward, everybody say reaching forward, to those things which are ahead. Now, you've got to understand the Apostle Paul, he had a past filled with pain and regrets. But in order to hold on to God's dream for his life, to be the man of God, and writing over half of the New Testament, bringing strength and hope, a real church planter, building the kingdom of heaven, in order for him to hold on to that dream and fulfill it, he first needed to let go of his past, just like all of us. And the same is true for anyone if they desire to see all things become 
new. Letting go of the past means letting go of, my next point, write it down, the blame. The blame game. Nobody ever takes responsibility, do they? Right? Everybody just passes the buck. They shift the blame. The blame. Do you know that Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves? Even though Eve in the garden says, the serpent made me eat. Adam, he, he, he really made the statement of all statements, the woman you gave me caused me to eat. He blamed God. The blame game. All because people didn't want to take responsibility. Who ate? Did God say not to eat? Yes. But in spite of God's command, and we've all been the same way. God tells us things. How many times has God told you something? Don't do it. You'll regret it. And then you do it. And now your life is really in a place where it's awful. It's brokenness. It's shame. It's pain. Sorrow. Jesus did for us what we could never do. He took the blame. He took the blame. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul says, For he made him, he speaking of God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, God knew man would never correct this blunder. could never happen. So he did for mankind what mankind no matter what the resource, no matter what they had formed and shaped as a remedy, man would never be able to fix what man created, sin, failure. So God the Father allowed Jesus to become sin on the cross. He who knew no sin, conceived without sin, born without sin, living without sin, dying without sin, and resurrected and victorious without sin over sin, death, and the grave. He did for us what we could never do. He suffered and died for you. He took on your guilt, your punishment, so he could restore you and me and anyone that would call upon him by making all things new. Look at the Lord's Prayer. We see this principle there, Matthew 6, 9 through 12. Jesus, as he's teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Where? As it is in heaven. So God wants heaven to be a part of earth. Scripture says, heaven is the Lord's throne and the earth is his footstool. The throne and the footstool go together. It's a set. If you were to go to Raymore and Flanagan and say, I'd like to buy a throne, but I don't want the footstool. The representative would say to you, I'm sorry, it's, it comes together. You can't get one without the other. Or if they say, well, I like the footstool. Can I just buy that? I already have a throne. No, no, the throne and the footstool go together. I'm, I'm, in a funny way, I'm making a point. What I'm saying is the earth and heaven are one. That's why God promised he would restore the earth after all of the tribulation, after everything is said and done. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Not heaven, God's throne, but heaven, the atmosphere that's even being disrupted and destroyed and affected by sin and all of the deeds of men. The atmospheres, the ozone layer being burned away, things that are happening. There's pollution on the moon. You know, all of the interplanetary, you know, solar systems are all gods. They're there for a reason. God, you know, when, when they left, what, God's probably thinking, well, they didn't pick up their trash. Yeah. They left some things on the moon, you know. And so there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. 
A lot of theologians, scholars predict that possibly during the Great Tribulation, there will be a nuclear holocaust. It says the earth will be destroyed by fire. It could be very well when John was seeing things he had never seen before. Flying dragons, as we see in Scripture, was the best term that John could find to possibly say that were missiles. Or planes, dragons, shooting missiles. Bombs. So they, he tried to position and communicate as best he could. But bottom line is, God loves the heavens. They're His. He loves the earth. They will be restored. And even spiritually, that dynamic, God desires to do that in the present tense right now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And He says, give us this day our daily bread, verse 12, and forgive us our debts. This is what I want to emphasize for a second. Forgive us our debts, which is also translated our offenses or sins. As we forgive our debtors, those who have offended or sinned against us. Have you ever been offended? Have people ever sinned against you? Committed an atrocity? They've been deliberate, intentional? God says just as we want him to forgive us, we're indebted to him because of what he paid for us to forgive others on earth as it is in heaven. But if we refuse to move forward with that, then what happens, it opens the door for us to continue in life harnessed, yoked together with not only our sin, but all of the pain attached to other sins that were committed against us. And when this takes place, we can't just seem to move beyond point A to get to that point B where all things become new. Pain becomes just as real now as it was 20, 30 years prior. Why? Because you're yoked together. There's not been that release yet. You've not dealt with the pain of your past. All of the issues. You see, when blame continues and when we foster and we carry and we give life to our bitterness by allowing it when the enemy resurrects it, to be fed by us. I spoke to someone once, and they began to share something that happened to them. And then I responded. I said, when did this happen? This past week, a month? No, it happened 15 years ago. And the Holy Spirit came on me, and I said, your problem now is you, not the issue. You need to deal with it. You need to unleash it, remove it. That attachment, that connection needs to go. You need to forgive. And when you do that, that angry dog will no longer haunt you. The persistence will be removed because you've removed the connection. Forgiveness is everything. And when we choose not to forgive others, we see it right in the Scripture, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then we can't move past. Why? Because when we can't forgive others, we also wind up holding issue and ought against ourselves. Didn't Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself? How can you love those around you? Right? And if you can't love those around you, you'll never love yourself. But when we release others, it also releases us to forgive ourselves. Paul, like I said, had a lot of regrets. He actually referenced himself as the chief of sinners in his epistle. 
That's what he thought of himself. But the way he moved past, he was no longer harnessed to his past, his failures, his mistakes, his bad choices. He, he was a persecutor of the church, had women, men and women and children thrown in prison, even put to death. He couldn't move beyond. After his conversion to Christ, the Damascus Road experience, he was on the, on the backside of, a, of an Arabian desert for three years. And God was mentoring him, discipling him, bringing revelation to him so that he could move past his past and then be useful in the master's hands. And so the one who had to work through it was able to help others work through it. And that's what God wants to do for you, for me. He's done it for me. I had a lot of issues in my past. And much of what I wrestled with went back to that one area of I'm holding bitterness, unforgiveness. And when I released that, it released me from my past and to experience all things new and everything that God had for me in this present moment. There's power in our forgiveness. But if you continue in blame, you need to understand blame resurrects the past and gives life to the pain. So when you deal with the blame, the bitterness, that's when you'll experience my closing point, the gain. God's dream for your life, listen to me, this is profound, I mean that. God's dream for your life, a dream that you may not even realize yet. You may be walking in one dream, but there are dreams beyond the current dream that God has for all of us until our days come to an end on earth. Then His dream continues through us for eternity, working with Him, the God of all ages. But you'll find God's dream for your life will never be fulfilled in your future until you're willing to deal with the issues in your past. And so everything about the future is connected with dealing with the past. Because once we release the past, then God's dream is unleashed on us. We're positioned to where there's nothing standing in the way. There's no roadblocks. There's no issues. It's like a clean runway. You're cleared to land and step in to all that God has for you. You know, I have found when we release others, it sets us free. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I will do a what? Look at it, it's right there. New thing. Now, when God does a new thing, is that good or bad? So how many of you are afraid of a new thing? When God does a new thing, it's always a good thing. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? That's the promise of the Lord. He continues and says, I will even make a road, where? In the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A new thing produces a new life. A new thing provides new direction. All things new. And a new thing will also change, I like this, your spiritual diet. You ever heard you are what you eat? Do you know spiritually the same thing is true? Emotionally the same thing is true? Addictions, addictions of the mind and the ears. You know, especially those of sexual natures, phone sex, pornography, videos. Addictions of the eyes and the ears can affect us, what we hear, what we see becomes part of a person's diet when they feel like they just can't break free. 
But when we allow the Lord to deal with the issues in our life, He makes all things new, and that means He even changes our spiritual diet. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those. How many want to be blessed? About two. How many want to be blessed? Come on. We're a Pentecostal church. Let's hear it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You ever go to a restaurant, you sit down, and you're hungry. So you tell the waitress or the waiter, I'm hungry today, and I'm also thirsty. Could I have a beverage, please? And that waiter or waitress will respond to your hunger and your thirst based upon what you voice. Tell God, Lord, I'm hungry for more of you. I'm hungry for your presence. I'm hungry to grow in faith. I'm hungry for you to do a new thing in me. And I'm thirsty, Lord. I want to drink from your fountain. I want to drink from your river. Lord, nothing in this world has satisfied my spiritual thirst. Only you can, Lord. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And right there in Scripture, Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. That means your diet changes. What you used to do, what you used to look at, what you used to listen to, it changes. Those that you would fellowship and and hang out with, it changes. No longer is it somebody bringing you down, but then all of a sudden you become that force that brings people up to a new level when they encounter God because of your spiritual diet, what you're hungering for, what you're thirsting for. You are what you eat. You'll become that. When you're hungry for righteousness, you'll begin to live righteously. A lot of times people stay trapped, and then the devil puts this lie in their head. Well, you tried it, and it didn't work. No, you don't try Jesus. You do Jesus. I may try a new detergent for our laundry, right? I may try something else as, 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 as a product that I may use in my home or in my life. And then if I try it and I like it, I keep doing it. But because Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, you don't try Him, you do Him. You step in, you're all in, and say, okay, God, you and me, let's do this. I trust you. I trust you. Hallelujah. Obedience, do you know what it does? It will change your circumstances. That's why Scripture says to obey is better than sacrifice. When you obey, your circumstances will change even after failures and bad decisions. Psalm 84, verse 11, For the Lord Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. David wrote that. The same guy who failed with Bathsheba. The same guy who arranged for the death of Uriah the Hittite. But yet... He said, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. That was inference to a military uh, conflict. When a soldier is on foot, they always try to position the sun behind them so that the sun is going into the eyes of their adversary. So he's, the Lord is a sun. He blinds the enemy. And a shield, whatever the enemy tries to bring against, it's blocked by the shield. And so when David says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, David learned from his failures, his bad decisions, his mistake. You know what that tells us? There's life after failure. Look at the person next to you and say, there's life after failure. Come on, I, I do it. Everybody needs to hear this. If you haven't failed yet, well, that's your first failure because you didn't recognize your other failures. But then when you face it again, this is your pathway to freedom. This is your pathway to freedom. So when we understand what it means to walk uprightly. When we take 
and know that God says there's life after failure. Like David, who learned from his mistakes. He learned from his past, and he released his past. He was then able to rise again. And even God referenced him as a man after my own heart. How many of you want God to speak of that about you? Lord, I'm a man. I'm a woman after your own heart. What an honor. David was a man who was passionate, who pursued, who followed after, who followed after God's heart. And so there is life after failure if we release the pain and the blame. David did. Do you know how long it was from David's sin with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite's death until he repented? About a year. That's what Scripture says. And he didn't see a thing until the prophet Nathan came, spoke in that analogy, and then said, David, you're the man. Then David realized his sin, tore his garments, put sackcloth on his head, and he wept and he cried unto the Lord. And when it was all done, even after he lost a child because of his sin, he washed his face and celebrated the goodness of God. And he went on in faithfulness. He learned. He didn't blame anyone else. He didn't hold on to the pain. He just simply cried out and thanked God for his mercy and his grace and his justice. When we clean out the old, it makes space for the new. Did you hear me? When we clean out the old, it makes space for the new. Sometimes, Cindy and I, we've been talking, we've been having clean-out days. We've lived at our house for 30 years now, right? 30 years. You know how much accumulates in 30 years? It's a lot. So we've been having clean-out days, right? And then it seems like we finish one project, and it looks just as bad in another area. But when you clean out the old, it makes space for the new. And when we clean out the past, the guilt, the shame, the unforgiveness, towards ourselves even, Lord, I still can't get past what I did. I still can't get past what I did. Get rid of the old. When you do that, it makes space for the new. God wants to fill that empty space with his presence with new blessing, with his spirit. He wants to bless you. Why? Because he's for you. He is 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 for you. You're made in his image. He desires nothing more than to see you blessed. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed when you come and when you go. He wants to see your children blessed, your children's children, and their children blessed. Why? Because he loves you. You're his sons and daughters. You're his offspring spiritually. That's why he wants to make all things new. Don't be a spiritual hoarder. So many times when we talk about cleaning out, people don't want to let go of things. You've got to realize if, if, if you're holding on to something that you don't need to be holding on to. It's just taking up space that God wants to occupy. And if you, you know, and sometimes people, they'll remove something. And a lot of times it's the things of God. 
Well, I'm getting too busy. Can't make church. Don't have time to read the Bible. Don't have time to pray. Uh, the kids have got a lot of responsibilities raising the kids. You know, we, we've got these things at school. God understands that. But when it becomes a lifestyle, do you know when we remove God from those spaces in our lives, any empty space the enemy sees, Satan, he'll fill it. He'll send his alternatives. Sometimes it's not a bad thing, but it's not a God thing. Out with the old, in with the new. Amen? Remove those things that are hindering your relationship with Jesus. Let go of the nonsense. Let go of the pain. Let go of the blame. Don't make excuses, but God. They did this to me. We're all guilty. We're all unworthy apart from Him. Embrace the promise that's found in Joel chapter 2, verse 25. When God says to the nation of Israel, I will restore to you, to you, the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Do you feel like there have been things that have been destroying you for years, maybe from a child? And you just can't get past it. When we will release the pain, release the blame, Part of the game that he brings to us is all focused on restoring the years. The house that burned down will make it like new. We'll make all things new again, again. A new chapter has been written for your life. Do you know that? There are still yet that got more yet to come for those of you who love the Lord, and I, I don't think you'd be in this house today if you didn't love the Lord. Those of you who are watching online, I don't think you'd be watching this broadcast right now if you didn't love the Lord. So there is yet more to come, a future for those of you who love the Lord. So embrace this new chapter. Exchange your sorrow for the joy of the Lord. How many remember that song? I'm trading my sorrow. I'm training my pain. I'm training it all for the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to make all things new in your life. How many of you are ready to receive everything he has for you? How many of you want all things new in your life? If you do, stand up right now. I want all things new, Lord God. Do that work in me. Do that transformation. Release me from my past. Release me from the pain, the embarrassment, the shame. Lord, I embrace all things new. All things new. All things new. That restoration begins at salvation when we commit our lives to Jesus. And then it continues as we walk in obedience, as we saw earlier when Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, hunger and thirst for righteousness, and God will fill you. He'll fill you with everything from His presence that will bless you, body, soul, and spirit. The blessing of God. Hallelujah. All things new. Some of you, maybe you have some estranged relationships. If you cry out and say, Lord, make all things new, he'll do it because he loves you. Some of you may be struggling with health issues. When you cry out to the Lord and you follow his plan and purposes and pursue righteousness, he'll even bring health to your body. He will make all things new. Those of you who maybe have suffered emotionally, mental health issues, God has promised that he desires to make all things new. That's why we're promised the mind of Christ in exchange for a broken mind. All things new. And if that's your desire to receive that, 
as the worship team takes and leads us in, in a time of praise. I just want to open these altars and just make your prayer, Lord, make all things new. Make all things new. You say, well, I don't want anybody to think I, I have problems. We've all got problems. We're all a work in progress. In fact, we need to slap a sign on the back of our backs that says under construction. God's working on us. And when there's construction, there's a mess around construction. But that's okay. You expect it because when it's all said and done, you'll be like new. Hallelujah. All things new. So I want to open these altars up as the team leads us in a time of praise. And just say, Lord, I give you my life. Make all things new. If he shows you things you need to release, some unforgiveness towards yourself, maybe you hate yourself for some of the decisions you've made. You need to release that because God doesn't hate you. He looks at you and he says, I love you. So you're in conflict with God. Ask God, Lord, help me to love myself the way you love me. Because until you start loving yourself, you can't love others. So just come, whatever you need, all things new, it's scattered around these altars. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.